The production of this program is made possible thanks to the support of Audlin Brown, BD Development, viewers and listeners. Sorry, you're too old. Sorry, you're too experienced. Sorry, sorry, but we're looking for someone younger who will stay with us longer are just some of the reasons employers use to overlook talented over 60 applicants, says Helen Hurst Spence of Top 60 Over 60. The mission, according to the organization's website, is to provide tools and training to address ageism and promote age diversity in the workplace. Organizations that turn their back on workers over 60 are doing themselves a disservice, according to a Columbia University Mailman School of Public Health study. The study states older workers are skilled and experienced. They stay with jobs longer and they take fewer days off. They have a strong work ethic, and they demonstrate that age-diverse workplaces make for the best teams. The study goes on to point out that older workers attract more business. Remarkably, in tourism, companies that employ workers that are older appeal to older tourists who have greater discretionary income. And the study points out the Upper West Side of New York uh, Apple store strategically places older workers towards the front of the store so the customers who might be overwhelmed by technology can feel more comfortable. I invited Helen Hurst Spence of Top 60 Over 60 to join me for a conversation that matters about the benefits to businesses that are age smart. Helen, welcome. Nice to be here. Thank you, Stuart. Is ageism in the workplace really a thing or is it something that maybe a few people have experienced uh, i guess is what i'm saying is are we seeing discrimination against people who are over 60 in the workplace yes we are we're seeing it all the time all over the place and i'd say unconsciously we see a lot of it as well so it's not just the lawsuits that are being brought forward, those are obvious, but it's much more serious than that. It's a toxic workplace because of ageism. Why do you think this is happening? Uh, why is it that it's okay to target older people and say, nah, we don't have a space for you any longer? Well, I don't think it is okay. And, <laughs> and the truth of the matter is I think that, you know, um, ageism is the last socially accepted ism. It's the only one that has been normalized. And probably it's because uh, we haven't been exposed to uh, courses and awareness about age diversity. So tell me in about other age. Words, yeah. no, let me explain a bit more. So age intersects with every different identity. I can be black and I'll get old. I can be gay and I'll be old. It's the only, it's the only, uh, I, you know, factor that can be multi perspectives and yet it's ignored. All the diversity, equity and inclusion strategies, 92% according to research don't include age and that's worldwide. That's not Canada. Um, but in Canada, it's the same. Whenever I try to reach out and talk about 
age diversity to somebody who maybe didn't solicit my <laughs> input, they shy away from it because of the, the legal implications of ageism and how dramatic they are. Now, the same thing applies to, you know, um, you know, black and indigenous populations, yet we're very much more aware of that now, but age has been there forever. And I'd say it's one of those unconscious biases that most people have, but they don't recognize. And I can give you lots of examples too. Well, the perception seems to be that, well, you're getting older, so you can't be as smart. I mean, Mark Zuckerberg has famously said, well, younger people are smarter, uh, even though the evidence doesn't back that up. And, and so you have a social media giant like that that's pushing out this message. How much more difficult does it take uh, become to sort of overcome that kind of perception? I, you identify probably one of the biggest um, black holes that have to do with age. I think everybody who's older or my generation um, has heard that quote and has internalized it. So that's what's referred to as internalized ageism or self-directed ageism. And that is probably one of the biggest problems, Stuart. So until I recognized what it was, I suffered from it too. And, you know, I'd been a leader in a former career and yet I lost my self-confidence. Um, I felt like I was invisible. And all of that was because I had internalized messages such as uh, I'm too old to do that, or uh, I can't use technology because I'm older, or uh, you know, you can't teach old dogs new tricks, uh, or he or she's over the hill. If you think about the number of expressions that we commonly use that are negative about getting older, and then add to that all the industries that survive on the notion that getting older is negative, such as, you know, healthcare, I mean, beauty products, um, hair, uh, nutrition, diets, you know, there's so many industries that rely on me being afraid of getting older. It amounts to a lot in a lifetime. And so many people without realizing it, have internalized the message and it limits their own potential. So they don't even go after the jobs or go after you know the volunteer positions or start something new because they really think that in fact they can't do it. So that's where a huge amount of work has to be done because I would I would generalize to say that it's it's the older generation that perpetuates ageism without realizing it because they have internalized those beliefs. They're not the only ones by any means, but if you don't recognize it in yourself, for instance, I, I, I hear people say regularly, oh, I'm having a senior's moment. And they think that it's funny or it's acceptable. Well, it's not because it once again, it's just those kinds of comments that uh, reinforce the bias that we can't do something new. I gotta get you to hang on for a second while we take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. Please visit conversationsthatmatter.ca and become a Patreon supporter. Thank you to Audlin Brown and BD Developments for their support. You just touched on something that I find very interesting. I'll have people go, 
oh, well, I can't, I, I can't remember that. Um, I guess it's a sign that I'm getting older. And I say to them, no, it's not a sign of that. All that is, is a sign that you haven't accessed that information in quite some time. And, you're, and I, I would also use the analogy of a, of a hard drive. It's full as you get older. And so it's harder to access some of the information that's in there. But you're right, you can recover, you can recall it. And very often it's just, you know, a few minutes later. But crystallized intelligence is something that you acquire over time that's really important. And it's just a different type of intelligence. We may process things a little bit more slowly sometimes, but we are just as capable. And they have found that that's true way into your 80s and 90s. So, you know, we do not have to worry about cognitive decline. We can do a lot of things to avoid it. But one of those things um, has to do with staying engaged socially, um, using your mind, like learning something new. Working is a great in which you can um, maintain cognitive awareness. And the other thing is thinking positively. They've actually been able to prove that having positive thoughts will not only lengthen your lifespan, but uh, li lifespan, but can also reverse the onset of um, dementia. That's an, a recent finding. I did a really fascinating interview a number of years ago with a fellow by the name of Dr. Max Sanatter, who started the Brain Research Center at UBC. And one of the things that he said is vitally important, in addition to what you were saying, is being socially engaged and don't smoke and watch your alcohol consumption and, uh, and, and so on, but light, moderate exercise. And in particular, the use of light weights. And when you use light weights, you ignite a, uh, the release of a cortisol that comes from your muscles. It's not the mm -hmm. stress that uh, can be detrimental to your, to, to your brain from cortisol from your internal organs, but, and it, helps to spur what's called brain-derived neurotropic function. Uh, and then he says the key is then go to work solving a problem. So you create new brain cells, then you go to work solving a problem, and those brain cells, uh, the stickiness of them, they last for much longer than if you just don't do anything. Well, I, I mean, it's you obviously know a lot about it, probably more than I do, but, you know, there's that Deutsch um, uh, study, uh, book that came out about the elasticity of the brain. I mean, all of those new findings really support the fact that um, we can live longer and we can live better. I think the biggest issue has to do with our health span, which we don't talk about necessarily as much as our lifespan, but it has to match it in order for us to maximize what we can do. And uh, there, you know, there's, as you said, strength training is one of the best ways in which you can do that. But again, it doesn't have to be extreme. And oh. if you work out um, just a bit, it will have a huge impact on your well-being because a lot of uh, people as they age lose their balance and so on. So this helps them uh, maintain the, you know, their ability to do a number of things. And unfortunately, I believe that we have a notion of getting older as being what it was in the last century, you know, like grandma knitting on in a rocking chair on the porch and grandpa's sitting there smoking a cigar, uh, not a cigar, but a pipe, you know, and that is an antiquated notion. I mean, we are living a hundred years now. Uh, my grandchildren will have an average age of 100. That means average. 
And young people who are in their 20s and 30s today are going to be working into their 70s and 80s. But it's going to look differently. It's not going to just be learn, earn, retire. It's going to be learn throughout your life, never retire because you can change the way. And we can do that right now. But there aren't enough people who are aware of, of, of the possibilities. And they're denying themselves that, that potential. This is our second break. We'll be back in a moment. Please visit conversationsthatmatter.ca and become a Patreon supporter. Thank you to Audlin Brown and BD Developments for their support. So does the change have to start actually with those of us who are north of 60 right now so that we are helping to share that message that says, uh, no, you're not done just because you turned 60. Uh, you have to accept it before you can demonstrate that to younger people who aren't as aware. Uh, yeah, that's critical. Uh, I think uh, having been in education, I think the best way to educate people is to role model what you're, you know, walk the talk. And, uh, and that's the reason why I named this Top 60 Over 60. I'm still looking for somebody to collaborate or sponsor um, an event with a symposium. We need role models uh, you know, everyday people, not millionaires like we have with other competitions. We need people, I guess, like myself, who's no celebrity, you know, to show that, you know, you can get, you can still do things and highlight that. I'm so tired of hearing about 40 under 40, although I'm all, I've worked with young people my entire life. I love them. I believe in age equity. I don't believe in sacrificing one generation for another. We all should be in solidly together because if you're lucky you know uh and we can get rid of ageism it will help you in the future because it's really a discrimination against your future self so here's one of the other interesting uh bits of information that i picked up while i was preparing for our uh interview by next year the portion of the population that's over 60 will be larger than the portion of the population that's under 25. And with that- Are you taught where, in Canada or worldwide? In North America, in Canada and the United States. The reason, and then take into account the falling birth rate. Uh, the next generation behind the ones that are coming into their 20s right now are having even fewer children. And so that causes a huge amount of uh, HR or personnel challenges for businesses. If they in their mind think, oh no, I can't hire somebody because they're older, well then they're really gonna have trouble with uh, you know, the supply of workers. And that's why I've been reaching out to businesses and companies and talking to them and, and speaking you know, at conferences about that. You're talking about succession planning, you're talking about talent management, and more importantly, you're letting institutional knowledge walk out the door when you don't retain some of these people. And so you can be a CEO, but there may be another function that you can perform in that in, in a, a different role whereby you share that knowledge. So it's, I really think that what I refer to as setting up programs that are like reciprocal mentoring programs would be beneficial. And that's one of the things I would strongly recommend. But there's so much that we're losing by letting people go early. And as you said, 
I don't know if it was you who said it. I was talking to somebody else earlier. You know, well, older people cost so much more. Well, they don't. When you when you actually figure in the cost of recruiting, of training somebody, and then trying to retain them, when we know for a fact that um, younger people tend to move around more, and older adults are loyal and committed because they grew up in an environment where that was the norm, even though. I don't blame the young people at all for moving around. They don't have the benefit perhaps that I experienced with pensions or, or they're not treated as well by companies either because of this, you know, chicken and egg situation that has to do with retention. So in the end, hiring somebody who's uh, older or more experienced or more mature, whatever you want to call it, sometimes pays off in a big way. So for top 60 over 60, you in essence are a toolkit that employers can use to address issues related to ageism. What will somebody who visits the site get from that visit? Well, I hope they'll get in touch because it's about consulting. So it's really a niche consultancy. But um, because of COVID and because of the need um, and as things happen, I do a lot more than just that. I have programming for older adults um, to help them really overcome their uh, self-directed ageism. I also have programs to introduce the entrepreneurial mindset, uh, which is useful for anybody and everybody. It's like a growth mindset with, with competencies that everybody can use, such as creativity. Third and final break. We'll be right back. Please visit conversationsthatmatter.ca and become a Patreon supporter. Thank you to Audlin Brown and BD Developments for their support. So you talk about uh, entrepreneurial mindset. Um, the evidence suggests that people who are older, who start businesses, are actually more successful because, you know, they, yeah. oddly enough, think slower and therefore make more measured decisions. Uh, they have patience, determination, and a long-term view. Uh, and they know how to uh, solve problems. I mean, what you're saying substantiates is substantiated in all the research. The Ewing Cal um, Irvin Kaufman Foundation in the States has has written about how over 50-year-olds are twice as likely to be successful in entrepreneurial activity than a 30-year-old. And it makes total sense. We've got networks. Sometimes we do have funding, um, but we have all the life experience, uh, expertise, skills, knowledge that uh, you know accrues over time. That's one of the things that I don't think people can understand. Unless you've lived <laughs> You can't have experienced certain things. You could have experienced other things. So there's a lot to say for life experience that's being dis dis dismissed um, in the workforce and you know, and everywhere and anywhere. Yeah, I firmly believe we should be having entrepreneurial programs. I'm just writing a piece about that now for older people because we're primed for something like that. And it doesn't have to be a full-time job. You can do it to the extent that you want. It could be like what I'm doing, a passion project, you know, supplementing uh, income, you know, but it's not, it, it doesn't have to be for the same thing. What is significant and the one thing that we haven't mentioned 
is that we all need to have a purpose. And if we don't have a purpose, it could be a big P or a little P. A little P is, you know, really mostly for oneself. But the bigger P has to do with purpose for others that'll benefit others. And that has to do with, you know, the stage of life that we're in. And that is generativity, according to, you know, Erickson's uh, or Maslow or it, you know, the, the different layers of, you know, aging and, and getting on and so on, you know, self-actualization and generativity. So um, get older to figure out what it is we want to do with the rest of our life, especially since our life is longer now than it's ever been before. And people haven't figured that out. Therefore, their savings necessarily don't amount to what they should or need to be later in life. There's so many issues around living longer that haven't been attended to, and they're not just financial. So people work, a lot of people return to work after they're retired, not because they need to, but it's the social interaction that occurs at work. It's that engagement, it's the learning, it's the sharing of experience. That's the reason why retention is so good when you have older people in the workforce. It's because younger people love to work with the older people because they learn from them. And hopefully if the, learn, the older people are, are willing to share, which usually they are, what can give you more pleasure than to, to share your secrets you know, with somebody else. So there's a lot of evidence that shows how how important that is. And where, you know, work, in my opinion, work would translate into diminished costs for healthcare, for financial support for older people, uh, for in, with mental, you know, cognition, all sorts of uh, issues would be resolved if people were able to do what they wanted to do, but really, ageism stands in the way their own beliefs and the beliefs of others well i can't help but think that the retirement industry has promoted this idea that you're supposed to kick back and enjoy the golden years but rarely do i see that as being the ultimate experience i'm motivated by a uh, wonderful piece that was written by the great spanish cellist pablo Casals called a salute mm -hmm. to life and he said on my next birthday, I will be 92 years of age. That's not young, of course, but age is a relative matter. And he said, every morning I get up and I go to the piano and I play two passages and fuses of Bach and Beethoven, and every day I discover something exciting, enriching, and rewarding in the music. And this speaks to what you say about purpose. When you mm -hmm. are working towards something, you feel like you are a contributor to the society that you live in. Exactly. And that's what we're being denied regularly because we're considered too old or, un, you know, and COVID hasn't helped with the, you know, the yeah. prejudice against getting old because the people we saw on television were all vulnerable, needy, you know, and, and in critical condition. Purpose will add 7.5 years of your life to your life. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, uh, let's get out there and fight this uh, stigma that's known as ageism and tell people that it's not acceptable, both individually and from a uh, employer and corporate perspective. Helen, thanks for your time today. My pleasure, Stuart. Thank you.
please visit conversationsthatmatter.ca and become a Patreon supporter. Thank you to Audlin Brown and BD Developments for their support.